0: Here is the uh, next chapel talk on John's Gospel, and today we look at the very first sign that Jesus performs in John's Gospel where he turns water into wine. Uh, We pick up the beginning of this Bible talk just after the students have watched um, some videos from YouTube of people doing amazing things, and the focus of watching that video is to say, you know what, we don't celebrate the trick, but we actually celebrate the person, Um, and so that connects in with the rest of the talk. I hope you enjoy this next little Schroeder's Bible bit. So, on YouTube, that channel is called People Are Awesome. And they regularly put up different content of human beings doing incredible stunts and tricks. Whether it's a parkour trick, whether it's somebody doing some sort of incredible trick with a soccer ball and kicking it into a bin like 50 metres away. Whether it's somebody on a jet ski doing a flip like, what was that, like I want to say 10 metres up in the sky that guy that does those backflips and then it looks like somebody's hit rewind on the television, doesn't it, and he just so smoothly transitions, transitions and bounces back to the start again. We see those tricks and no one in this room went wow, look at that cool trick. You actually went wow, look at that cool person. That's what you're celebrating in that video, aren't you? You're not celebrating the trick. There's heaps of people that can probably do tricks and amazing, wonderful signs and stuff, but but it's about the person that is doing that incredible thing on that people are awesome video that we're impressed with. That's what we're celebrating in that YouTube channel. You following? <laughs> Today we're gonna to look at Jesus in John's Gospel. And as we look at Jesus in John's Gospel, we're gonna see his very first sign. Do you remember when we started talking about John's Gospel and Jesus in John's Gospel? I told you how John wrote down the seven signs that Jesus has done. He's done more than seven signs, but if every one was written down, there's not enough room in the whole world for all the books. Do you remember talking about that? But John focuses on seven signs. And he wants us to know these seven signs so that we would see who? Jesus. And we would believe in his name, in him as the one who gives life. So today... As we look at sign number one, I want you to remember to look at the incredible one, not the incredible thing that the one does. Okay, everyone following? Let's pray and then we're going to read from the Bible from John chapter 2. Please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can think a little bit more about you and your word today. Please help us to see Jesus for who he is, the incredible one who has come to give us life and help us to believe in him. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. So here it is. This is the story straight out of John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. It says, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. He did not realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside and said everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had their had too much to drink but you have saved the best till now what jesus did here in cana of galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him here is the first sign that jesus performs in John's Gospel. Who's heard of this story before? It's pretty popular, Jesus turning water into wine. wine. But let's look into this story because there's some detail here that we need to take notice of. And the first thing is that when John writes about the signs of Jesus, often the signs of Jesus that he performs are these big, stupendous, incredible, over-the-top signs with lots of lots of big detail that we've got to make sure that we notice. Okay, And the first huge thing that we notice here in this story is that there is a huge wedding that is taking place. Who's been to a wedding before? I I love weddings. I love being in the ceremony. But here's my next question. Who's been to a wedding reception before? Ah, here we go. Here's the kids that are in the team A, right? You guys are the party goers. You don't always get invited to the reception, do you? It's good to be invited to the reception. We like going to the reception because at the reception you really get to hang loose and you really get to have a great celebration, don't you? You eat, you drink, you have a good time, you dance, you party for at least maybe three or four hours until the bride and groom head off into their life and their honeymoon and that's the rest of the story for the day, isn't it? Back here in Bible times, they're at a wedding but it's a huge wedding. Back then, Bible time weddings went for a whole week. You'd get married and you'd party for a whole entire week. And it was an important celebration, especially if you are the bride and the groom. Because at your wedding, you want to invite as many people as you know, and even let those people that you've invited, invite their family and friends as well to your party. And you've got to say yes, because you just want to show how much of a good host you can be to show that you've got all the hospitality skills, that you're, got, you've, you're married now and you're coming into community and you're there for everybody and, and we can all come, you can all come to our, our house and our party and, and let us show you how, how lovely we are, okay? So here's this big party, big celebration. There's a lot on the line, isn't there? They're trying to make their mark on culture and community, but there's a huge what next, there's a huge problem. And the huge problem is they're halfway through the wedding and they run out of a key ingredient at the wedding. What's the key ingredient? Wine. Wine. Oh no, this is a huge deal. Now, we know weddings don't go for very long in our culture, they might go three or four hours, but you don't want to run out of wine or beer or alcohol at a wedding in our culture either. That's a major embarrassment. In fact, when I was at university, I used to work at a restaurant behind the bar, serving people drinks, making cocktails, making lots of fancy drinks, pouring wine and beer for people, all through those big party celebration moments. One night, I was at a wedding, and I was pouring beers and and handing out drinks to people, and there was this group of guys that were all sitting together at a table, and they were the the boisterous group. Do You know what I mean by the boisterous group at a wedding? Have you ever been to a wedding? There's always a table at a wedding where there's a group of people, and they're the, the funny, loud ones. These guys were the funny, loud ones. And they were coming up to the bar and they were getting drinks for me all night long, the same drink over and over again. And they were having a great time. But there was one point where they came up to me and they learnt my name and they were like, Mark, we want another round, please. Give us another eight of what we're drinking. And I went, okay, no worries. I turned around to the fridge and I went to get the, the drinks for them and guess what? They were all gone. There was none left. There was still like an hour and a bit to go in the wedding and I had to look at this guy and say, I'm really sorry, but we have run out of that drink. It was so embarrassing because he turned around to his mates who were on the other side of the room and he yelled out at the top of his voice, he's run out of our favourite drink. And they all went, Ugh! you can imagine it, couldn't you? The embarrassment for me, the barman, it wasn't even my job to make sure that there was enough there. That was, ordering was not my job, that was somebody else's job. But nevertheless, it was terribly embarrassing for me. Here in this story, the bridegroom has a huge problem in that he has run out of wine on his wedding day and he's on show, he's on display, there's a big problem here. Mary, Jesus' mum, sees the problem, she's there and she goes to Jesus and tells Jesus that there's this huge problem and suggests that Jesus could do something about it. Well, Jesus does, doesn't he? In the corner of the room, or somewhere in the room, there were huge jars. Jars that were used to hold water for ceremonial washing. Before you ate, if you were a Jewish person, you had to wash certain parts of your body very carefully, according to the law. Jesus took those jars, which held somewhere around 115 litres or so, do you remember that piece of detail? And he fills them up. But do you remember the bit of detail that we get in the Bible? He fills them to the... Ah, good listening. He fills them to the brims. Remember how John gives us huge detail? Here's a huge detail. Huge wedding, huge amounts of wine. He normally is drunk, but all the wine's gone. They fill up the water jugs to the brim of which there are 115 litres. That's a lot of water, isn't it? Think about your three little bottles of milk that you might have used this morning for your wheat bix This is a lot of water. They fill it up. Jesus does something. And then they draw the water out and they take it to the master of the banquet. This is a make it or break it moment, isn't it? And the master of the banquet, he takes the water, which has been turned to wine, and he doesn't know that and he drinks it. And what does he discover about the wine? It's the best wine. That's good. It's the best wine. Here's another big over-exaggeration moment in John's Gospel, isn't it? Huge wedding, huge problem, huge amounts of water, a huge sign and the absolute best wine that you can ever think of. The guy's surprised at this moment, isn't he? Because he's like, why are you saving the best wine till now? Do you know what the problem is? They've been partying for three days, drinking far too much, haven't they? They don't know what's good wine and what's bad wine. You want to save the good wine for the beginning when everyone's taste buds are not so intoxicated. But he's surprised that they've brought the best wine out until now. Here's this moment. Jesus has turned water into the very best wine at this wedding. And in this moment, Jesus stands out. This is not about the wine in this story. This story is not even about the wedding. This story is about the Jesus who makes a difference in this moment. If you came to my house and you sat at my dinner table and I put this glass, what sort of a glass is this? It's a wine glass, you you know straight away, you guys are young and you don't even drink wine yet, right? But as soon as you see this glass, it's on the table and you know that it's a wine glass. If you came to my house and I put this wine glass in front of your table, you'd be like, oh, uh, Mr. Schroeder, I'm only a kid, yeah, wouldn't you? And so then instead I'd have to put a, a different glass, like a, just a normal glass for soft drink or juice or water or something, right? Yeah? And actually, you guys might even know what sort of a wine glass is this. You can know, right? It's a champagne glass. I'm talking about this because in this amazing sign that Jesus performs, Jesus is an obvious standout, isn't he? As obvious as the difference between water and wine. Jesus is here, front and centre, And making an obvious sign for us to show us who he is. So that we would see his big amazing sign and that we would respond like the disciples do. Look at what happens in chapter 2 verse 11. It says what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. You see, Jesus stands out here in this story, not the wine. Don't walk away thinking about wine and wedding parties. Go away from this story thinking about the glorious Jesus who has revealed just how amazing he is and be like the disciples there in chapter 2 verse 11 who believe in him. Year 7, Jesus has come. He stands out as somebody who is amazing and spectacular and who is here to make a difference. And I'll tell you, the difference that he has come to make is that he has come to give us life from death. He has come to wash us from our sin, to go from dirty to clean. Which, by the way, isn't it interesting that Jesus uses the ceremonial washing jugs to turn that water into wine. They don't even need the ceremonial washing jugs anymore because Jesus is here. Year seven, here is Jesus. Do you see him? In this story, he's right here in front of you. We see him for his amazing works, his amazing signs, but the challenge is to believe in him. So I'm going to pray that you would do that today, that you'll believe in Jesus and that you would receive life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the amazing Jesus who has come for us to bring us from death to life. Please help us to see Jesus for who he is and to believe in him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can get in contact with me via Twitter at mrkschroeder Or on the Anchor app, you can actually leave a voice message. I'd love you to do that and I might include it in the next podcast. Catch you later.